0: We've got a former Boise State Bronco joining us on the show to talk about the definition of hard work and where it's taken him in his life. You're going to hear an underdog story that you don't want to miss. This is the Game Time Guru. So, What time is it? Game Time boom. If you're sick of the mainstream sports outlets, well, so was I. So I started my own show. I'm Shane Larson, and this is the Game Time Guru. It's different than other talk shows. I'm providing a panoramic view on sports so you can see them through a different lens. So buckle up and let's go. Hey, what's going on everyone? Welcome out to the Game Time Guru Podcast. This is episode 113 and I am your host Shane Larson. I'm excited to have you with us. Today we're talking with a former Boise State basketball player. It's Ryan Watkins and we're going to talk about his experience as he came up all through high school and found his way over to Boise State fought his way into the starting lineup, and now is playing professionally overseas. But it's an underdog story, because we're going to hear about how he even got to Boise State in the first place, how no Juco's even wanted him, and then he landed at a D1 school, and now he keeps playing overseas. It's awesome. It's so cool to hear from people like him, so you guys don't want to miss this episode. Before we get started... Here's a couple things we need to take care of for housekeeping items. Hit that subscribe button on whichever device you're listening to on whichever podcast platform that you that you prefer. Hit that subscribe button. Leave me a review, and uh, we can get things started. So I want to I want to um, do this on every episode and give a highlight of a review that has been left on my podcast because these are what kind of help me continue to go. And, and it reminds me of why I'm doing what I'm doing. And that's what I love about them. So I want to give a, a a spotlight to Brittany Race. She's a good friend of mine. And she listens to the show. She's not the biggest sports fan in the world. But she listens to the show to support it. And this was her review. She says, love it. Super fun and entertaining to listen to, even as someone who isn't the biggest sports fan. I've learned a lot of, about stuff I never thought I'd be interested in. Guys, that's exactly what we're here to do with the Game Time Guru podcast. We cater to sports fans and non-sports fans alike, right? Because we want to educate everybody, whether you're a fan of sports or not. And that's the whole point of the podcast. So, Brittany, thanks for leaving the review for me. I appreciate that. Um, Brittany is is an awesome friend because she actually got me a guest on this show, Josiah Sullivan, who was um, the wheelchair rugby episode. If you guys want to go back and check that out, make sure to do so. She was the one who got me in contact with him. So see that that's the cool thing about this community and this podcast community because I have friends and family and and people that I've met that get me in connection with other people, and you know I get to allow them to tell their stories, use this as a platform for them to tell their stories and uh, to, uh, share their stories with us. Pardon. So. Make sure you guys also remember that if you want an Audible free trial for an audiobook, go to audible.com. Sorry, sorry, audibletrial.com slash the game time guru. Audibletrial.com slash the game time guru. So you can get a 30 day free trial. If you use my code, it's 30 day free trial. You don't have to pay for it. You can cancel it before the trial's over. But if you like audiobooks, Audible's a good way to go. Helps me out, helps you out. Check it out. And again, I wanted to remind you guys of the Podcoin app. Okay, um if you want to get you want to get paid to listen to my show, go get Podcoin. It's a free app that you can download on your phone, on whichever if it's an Android or it's a, it's an iPhone, go to your store and and, and download the Podcoin app. Um, subscribe to the show there. They'll pay you in Podcoins, which then you can transfer over for gift cards. So check it out. Guys, I want to make sure you guys are tuned in and ready to go. So if you need to go to the bathroom, if you need to get a drink, whatever it is, whatever you're doing, and you need to pause it, this would be the time to do so, because we're about to get started with our interview with Ryan Watkins. What's up, everyone? Welcome out to the Game Time Guru podcast. Today we've got Ryan Watkins joining the show, former Boise State basketball player. So, Ryan, thanks for taking the time out of your schedule to join us here on the Game Time Guru. Thanks for having me. For sure. Ryan, at Boise State, when you were there, I remember watching you play. And one thing that always uh, stood out to me was the fact that you were such a hard worker. And what I mean by that is the fact that you were under – Seven feet tall. You were like 6'9, 6'10, like an undersized four, undersized five. Uh, But you always, always were in double digits rebounding. Always. I don't know how you did it, but you were always doing it. Well, I do know how you did it. It was hard work. You were always working on your craft. And you were always putting up numbers and getting double double doubles, and you were always in double-digit rebounds. And that's kind of been the story of your life, and this is what we get to showcase today, is how you've always been that hard worker, the underdog, and uh, working on your craft so you can get to where you're at now. So let's showcase that a little bit, and your underdog mentality, where that all started from.
1: Yep, uh, yeah, that, that's perfect. I mean, yeah, everybody knows that rebounding is hard work, but that's that started from when I was younger, you know, when I was a, when I was a kid when I first started playing. Uh,
0: well, so how old were you when you first started playing?
1: I started playing when I was like four or five. I started playing early. Basketball it was a big thing in my family, like because my grandfather played in the NBA. He got drafted first overall in 1962, and uh, yeah, he uh, Utah led 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 the Utah youth to uh, the Final Four and all that. So. Basketball is a big thing in my family.
0: Okay, so you've been around basketball your whole entire life. Have you always been as tall as you are? Because, like, you're six you're 6'9", 6'10". Were you always that tall? Uh, because to the average person, like I just said earlier, I mean, that's actually pretty tall. I mean, it, I, everyone thinks I'm tall at 6'2". No, I'm not tall at all.
1: Yeah, I was always taller, but I, I'd say my freshman year, and sophomore year of, uh, of high school, I was about 6'3", 6'4". So, I mean, that's pretty tall, but it wasn't tall enough because I had a bigger build, you know? So... I didn't hit my growth spread until my big growth spread until uh my senior year of high school. Where I grew to six eight and that helped out a lot.
0: Oh, for sure. Did you always play in the post, or did you actually play guard when you were, you know, shorter before you hit that growth spurt?
1: No, I always played in the post, always.
0: Okay, so you were always the physical guy. That's awesome. I I was just wondering if, you know, we always heard those stories about Anthony Davis, right? So, Anthony Davis was shorter all the way up to, like, his junior or senior year in high school when he hit his growth spurt for, like, eight inches. So, he was, like, 6'2 all the way growing up, so he played guard, and that's why I was asking because he was a guard, and that's why he has such good handles for a big guy because he grew up playing, you know, running the point and playing shooting guard. Then he hit his growth spurt, so that obviously helps. So going back to the high school days then, let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about your high school experience, where you went to school, and what that was like for you, Ryan.
1: Yeah, so I started started my freshman and uh, sophomore year at Taft High School. Um, It's like a powerhouse in in the basketball world. They had like Jordan Farmer, Larry Drew, all type of guys that played basketball there. and So it was in my area. And I wanted to go there because, you know, I wanted to play basketball. So, But when I got there, I found out that I had a long way to go. And there was a, a long list of guys trying to get on that team. So I figured if I wanted to actually play, I had to transfer. And that's why I ended up transferring to uh, Reseda High School and played there.
0: Okay, okay. So you made the transfer over to Reseda High School. And so I'm assuming that was to get more exposure and more playing time. What was the experience like, though, making the transfer? And how did that work out for you?
1: Yeah, well, so my junior year, I didn't, didn't really play that much. Played a little bit here and there, but I didn't really play that much. So um, I had to just work hard as I could because I knew that my senior year was the only opportunity I had. That you know, if I wanted to go play college, and that was always a dream of mine. So I mean, I worked hard that summer, and I had a great a great senior year. I mean, we won the city championship. I averaged 22 and 11. And but then after that, I had I had no scholarship offers, none, not even from NAI. No D one, no D two, no D three. None of that. I went to went to a JUCO, and I don't even think they wanted to take me. So, yeah, that was that was hard. That was tough.
0: Oh man, I bet that was tough. I, I so tell me this then, Ryan. Did you go the JUCO route or not go the JUCO route before you got to Boise State? Because I wasn't 100. percent The crazy thing
1: is, I didn't even go to JUCO. Like no, no JUCOs wanted me either. So I, there was a there was actually a a prep school that had just started up and in Los Angeles, Stone Ridge Prep, and I had me and my dad knew the coach, so, like, we ended up – I ended up going there, but we – it was so hit or miss. Like, we played, like, 10 or 15 games, but on our team, we had Ennis Cancer, and it was crazy to see him at a young age. I mean, coaches from everywhere flying in to see his practice because, you know, I mean, he ended up being a, the third pick overall, and he didn't even play one game in college.
0: Man, so crazy! And you went the non traditional route. You went to a prep school down in California, and went the non traditional route to get to Boise State. So, from that prep school to Boise State, what was the route? Because I guess a lot of people may not even know that.
1: So the crazy thing is, if the story starts from here. My senior year in high school, um, I was actually at prom, and you know everybody lives for prom night when you're in high school. Everybody looks forward to it. You know, basically the whole the whole time you're in high school. But I was at prom and my dad calls me and he's like, you know, like this team, this AU team pump and run, wants you to come play for them. But uh, like the game is tomorrow morning. Like you have to leave prom right now. Like to, so, you know, I'll be rested. I'll be able to play well. And like I wanted to play, I wanted to shot so bad at a given scholarship that I ended up leaving prom early to go play for this team. And I played and and I barely played. But the funny thing is, is when I was, when I was um, in prep school and we stopped playing games and all that, we had actually ran into David and Dana pump while I was working out at a gym. And since I had made that decision to go play that one game, they knew who I was. And like, they understand the situation I was in and they said, they let me play for them as a post-grad, which is like, you know, the year after. High school, basically, and that, and when I played on that team, like we had, we had Spencer Dinwiddie was on that team, and Xavier Johnson, and it was really that summer, that like, I, like from that opportunity that I got, a scholarship offer.
0: Gosh, man, this just goes to show for everybody who's listening. Like, if you don't think you have an opportunity, you need to keep grinding. If you have that desire to play at the next level, keep going, keep grinding. Because when an opportunity presents itself, you have to attack it like Ryan did. This is insane. So. You know, Ryan, explain how you got to Boise State, and then what your experience was like as a Boise State Bronco.
1: Yeah, well, that leading up to that summer, we had won the, uh, the Super Sixty Four in Vegas, and and after that, like I had a couple, I had some good offers, you know. I had like a uh, Boston College, Northwestern, and Boise State, of course. And I went on my visit to Boise State, and I signed, and I actually signed ten days before school started. So I literally signed, flew back home, got my stuff, and flew back, and. And as soon as I got to Boise State, like if you talk to some of the some of the guys that were seniors uh, when I was a freshman, they would tell you they were just like when they first saw me come in, they're like, "There's no way he's ever going to play here." Like I was I was heavy. I was like 260 when I first came in, so that was already I was already a setback. So I had to lose a lot of weight. Like after everybody was done conditioning. Uh, our strength coach made up me do the same conditioning workout over. So I was doing twice the workout everybody else was.
0: Oh, my gosh. I hate running. Hate it. Hate running. So props to you, man. So how much weight did you end up losing, actually, if you don't mind me asking?
1: Uh, actually, that <laughs> the second uh, semester, my freshman year, I weighed two fifteen. Holy I lost too much weight, and I actually had
0: to put weight back on because I lost too much weight. Oh, my gosh, dude. Wouldn't that be nice if I could have that problem, right? I think a lot of us would be in the same boat be like, okay, what a blessing, have to put more weight on because I'm too small. But um, in all seriousness, I want to know about, you know, you got to Boise State, you started putting in the work, you know, you, your weight was fluctuating, you, you dropped a lot of weight, had to put some size back on. But when you got into the rotation, what was it like? Because I know you went through, like, you started um, – early in your career, but, like, when did you start getting more and more playing time at Boise State?
1: Well, I did – so, the interesting thing is, like, uh, I was all I, – I started my freshman year towards the halfway through the year, but I always joke with everybody, like, I started the first five minutes of each half, and then that was it. So, I was, I was playing, like, ten minutes a game. <laughs> so, it was cool to be a starter, but I still wanted to play more, you know. So, I didn't really start – I really started playing my junior year a little bit but I didn't really actually start playing a lot of minutes until my senior year
0: that's right that's right because I remember seeing you in and out like throughout your career but then your senior year I saw you all the time on the floor so you got a lot of playing time during your time at Boise State Ryan who was the the teammate that had the largest impact on your life
1: I I would have to say Jeff he came in the same time as me had the biggest impact on me because he worked really hard and like his story is crazy because he was a walk-on. He ended up getting a scholarship and he, I mean, he had to get earn everything he got that resonated with me. Cause I felt the same way, but like, and, and I had a and coach, really, like really, he worked out with me every day. Like whatever time I wanted to work out, he was always there. And that really helped my development. So when I got, and I was ready for my opportunity, I was ready.
0: For sure, for sure. And Ryan, I remember watching you and, and thinking, dang, dude, he's always in the right position for rebounds. Always. Even offensive rebounds, you were always getting second and third chance opportunities for your team, which was huge. And I think it was a huge reason that the teams you you know played on were so successful, and you got that experience you had that skill set, and then you've actually like transferred that over to the professional level but I want to know at what point in your career, especially through college, did you decide like, hey, you know I want to play professionally and continue on playing basketball for as long as I can at the professional level
1: i think i I' always wanted to continue on playing, but i never I never realized like I always was I always worked hard but it was my senior year that I realized I had to work way harder than I was already working to continue playing because it was like it was just like high school was like, like like my last shot and I realized that and I was gonna do whatever it took to get to the next level and you know like every game that's why I changed my number to zero because every game I to, I felt like I had to prove myself over and over because I wasn't the most athletic I wasn't the fastest guy. And so I just had to prove that I could play and I could make an impact on the game however I could.
0: Interesting, man. That's awesome. And, Ryan, I remember about three years ago – uh, you had just left overseas, and I think the Statesman published an article. I, I could be wrong, but I thought it was about three years ago, and it was about you playing in Hungary. And you had mentioned in that article how physical, you know, the physicality of the game over there, how it was tough to adapt to. So, I mean, I want to talk about that for a second. What was it like going over to Hungary? What was the game like, and having to adjust to their style of play? It's European basketball. Talk about that for a second.
1: Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a it was a lot more physical. I adjusted it in uh, pretty quickly because you know, we had we had a lot of big guys on our team, and they were just it was the the way they called the game was different. I could literally be in the key for ten seconds and battling somebody twice my size, and no one would ever call three seconds. No one would call fouls. It was just a different, a different style of play, like really slow, but a lot of hard screens, a lot of hard bumps. But I, I really enjoyed my time there.
0: That's so awesome, man! I want to talk about the struggles of playing overseas. I've talked to a couple players now that have played overseas, whether it be basketball or hockey, um, and 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 baseball even. So the the some people don't realize that overseas it's a great it's a great option for some people but sometimes the money's not great sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't and there's a different culture it's a different style of basketball Um, you play with different organizations uh, the contracts aren't always you know guaranteed for a a full season it's just it's a little bit different it's a little less I guess it's a little more unstable but like speaking with Jory Davis a professional basketball player over in France but she played um, Indiana for the Lady Hoosiers she uh, mentioned that like you know the one benefit of going there is like if you're only making forty thousand dollars, well, that's forty thousand dollars in your pocket because of the taxes and the way that's set up. So I guess that's a benefit. So while the the paycheck may not be as much, at least you get to keep everything that you're making for the most part because of the way the taxes are set up. And so just kind of talk about that. What were some of the struggles like going over there and, and having to play overseas with with some of those factors coming in?
1: So my first year, I was barely making. I wasn't making that much money at all. But I, like you said, you know, you know, it goes straight to your pocket. So. It was still, it was still good, but yeah. So my first year, it was, we had a fun time. Me and my wife, she made, she made it, the whole transition a lot easier. Just having somebody there with you that, you know, that's like your best friend that helped me out a lot. But, um, after that first year, I I went to Finland and I was in Finland and in my contract, I asked for our own apartment cause I was going to be bringing my wife with me and they said, okay, yeah, you can have your own apartment. And when I got there, they didn't have an apartment for me, and we were literally living with two other guys on the team in an apartment. So that was rough. Uh, oh man, so, oh, yeah, geez. that was yeah, that was that was rough, and and uh, I ended up getting cut. So I had a thirty-day trial. When I talked to the team, they said like, you know, it was just like it was just basically just an insurance policy for us overall. Uh, and I had been playing well through the whole preseason. We were undefeated. And on the 30th day, I ended up getting cut. And so after I got cut, I talked to my agent and he was just like, well, you have to stay in Europe. So we stayed in Finland in the hotel for a week and didn't know where we were gonna go. And at midnight, one night, one random night at midnight, I checked my email. I had an email for two plane tickets at 6 a.m. to go to Hungary. And that's how we found out we were going to a team in Hungary. Because we got the email before my agent even texted me and said, like, there's a team interested in you in Hungary. So we instantly packed up all our stuff and we went to Hungary. And the first team I was on in Hungary, it was only like a it was a month contract. because somebody had got hurt. And so after all that, we flew to Hungary. And literally, they tried to put us up in like this shack. It was literally like a shack in the back of somebody's house.
0: Oh no! <laughs> yeah, <you>
1: just, <laughs> looking back on it, it was it's so funny and like it it, it, it was really interesting. And we just said like, "Look, we'll pay for our own place." So we ended up paying for our own place. And every day at practice, like I was so mad. I just I just I had I knew I had to get out. So like the first game I played for them, I had twenty two and nineteen. And I played five games average I averaged 17 and 10 and ended up moving to the best team in Hungary at the end of the month, So, which was oh. way different.
0: Way different how? Tell me about the difference there.
1: I mean, the apartment was really nice. My car was nice. Like, I mean, in the first team in Hungary, I didn't have a car. I was walking four miles every day. Walking back and forth every day.
0: So. Gosh, dude, isn't that crazy that it's the same country, but just a different organization and seeing how differently it's ran, right? It's just, it's different. It's completely different from organization to organization.
1: Yeah. And I mean, even after all that, like we had got there and we we're going through all that, they still expected me to, to perform. And I had to if I wanted to move up. And uh, I mean, that's what I was used to. You know, I was used to being like being the underdog. You know, so that, that was perfect for me.
0: Gosh, man. How crazy is that? You know, like I think it's awesome to hear that. But from a human perspective, you can only like imagine that someone can take so much, right? They can only take so much. But you continue to keep going like that. Just it stresses me out here and a little bit to be honest with you. But I think it's awesome, and I commend you for your your willingness to continue to grind and go. Now let's flash forward a couple of years. You're now playing in Asia in the Asian Basketball League, the ABL. Um, but I want to talk about how did you get there? There was a couple of years in between, right? Or There's there's a transition, I should say, in between then and, and, and now in Asia. So talk about that.
1: Before that actually happened, I mean, I was playing well. I uh, moved to the best team. So me and my wife are finally like, all right, like, you know, we're we're going to be good now. It's like things are starting to smooth out a little bit. Um, and then actually my dad had a heart attack that same year. So I got cut from the team. Went to a different team, got picked up by another team, and I was starting to play well. My dad had a heart attack, so he flew back home and tried to take care of everything at home. And that that was like that was a big deal for everybody in my family, including myself. But so then after we we fly back, you know, we we deal with that and we come back, and I've been playing well. But since I had left for so long, which the team was great for keeping me, because they could have just cut me. But since i had been gone for so long, I kind of fell out of the out of the rotation a little bit. Had to work my back work my way back into the rotation, and thankfully the team ended up keeping me for that next year. So we felt like we, it was a good idea to sign again and stay because you know that year had been so up and down, and we were kind of all over the place. But that was good. And um, not to ramble on, but the next year we got back. I was playing really well again. Uh my first game of the season I had twenty and nineteen. And a couple games in the preseason I had like twenty two and twenty, like big huge games. And the second game of the season I uh I got injured. I tore three ligaments in my foot. Holy so.
0: cow, man. So you tore three ligaments in your foot. Man, I I'll tell you what. The the stuff you've gone through and just talking about this in this short twenty minutes that I've been speaking with you so far. My goodness, man. Like, you're a walking double-double. You always have been. And so it's cool to see that you just, you have that skill set and you just keep grinding. Now, you tore three ligaments in your foot and you came back. And now, how did you get to Asia? That's what I want to know. How did you get over to Asia?
1: So, after that year, I ended up having to go back back to Hungary again after that year on a different team. And I, like, that was the first year I was like, it was just, I just played really, really well. And... Without any anything happening, and so my GM from this team actually, he he's like he's like a basketball genius, I would say. Like he has his own like database where he puts in a formula and he looks up players and like he put in like rebound efficiency formula, of course. And he, and uh, I popped up, and he said he told me when he talked to on the phone, he said I was top three in the world in like this in rebounding. So like he really wanted me to come play on his team. And that's how I found me. By just by me doing the same thing I usually always do, it finally like you know I finally it finally paid off really, and I got the opportunity to come to Asia, and it, and Asia is way different than Europe, and it was this year was really amazing.
0: That's awesome, dude. The the ABL is. Pretty solid, in my opinion. I've been following it ever since I spoke with Mike Singletary from the Mona Vampire. Uh, he was a former Texas Tech Red Raider, and uh, he was on my show, talked about it, so I've been kind of following that league. I always saw your name pop up on the Instagram highlights and stuff, and, and you're, you're seeing, like, you know, you're shooting, you're getting boards, you're doing all your thing, and you're dominating over there. It's awesome to watch. You're, you're playing your game. Um, but from my, my perspective, it actually seems like it's good basketball in the ABL, like it's highly competitive basketball, and it's more Americanized, it's not as European style, it's more, it's closer to the American game, at least from my perspective, so can you kind of talk about the league for a second?
1: No, it, it's definitely like more like uh, American style of play, and the, I feel like the game is more fast-paced, and um, I, you only get three imports, so as an import, like, you have to do a lot of the heavy lifting, you know, like, so... I play I averaged like a lot of minutes this year. And it was fun because like you actually get to play and you get to showcase what you've been working on. Yeah, like in the summer, but like you actually get to do it if you're efficient at it. So I love that. And the league was it was really competitive. I mean you had a lot of great imports, like you said, Mike Singletary is a great player, like and you had guys like Ronaldo Balkman, PJ Ramos, like a lot of good players that that played in that in that league so it was really fun
0: and i also saw that you extended your range a little bit ryan you're shooting threes now what's up with that
1: i think i fully transitioned into uh stretch five uh, i shot like i shot 37 percent from three this year and i took a lot of threes so like i mean i, I had to make that transition in order to, to stay alive in the game and i figured that if i can make the three and rebound as well as i do like it can only mean better things for me because the game is changing it already has changed
0: for sure it has changed and I reference this all the time in my show man I I always talk about workers and and what I mean by that is I use the example of Blake Griffin and, and Dwight Howard Blake Griffin when he came into the league high flyer could finish at the rim could dribble he's flashy very athletic and Dwight Howard could always finish at the rim he was a great defender around the basket everything okay but the game continued to evolve, and they had a choice. You know, Blake Griffin said, I, I've got to extend my range. Like, I've got to extend my game, or else I'm not going to be able to last in this league. Like, athleticism is not going to get it all that I need, you know? And so he extended it. Now you can see Blake Griffin, he shoots pretty consistently from anywhere between 15, 20, 25 feet. Um, whereas before you would brick it, well, Dwight Howard never adapted to that style. he never developed a jump shot, he never developed anything within you know with outside of five feet of the of the basket and that 's why you see Blake Griffin still playing at the level that he 's playing, and Dwight Howard has kind of just declined, you know and because he never developed with the game and he never evolved
1: yep yeah, yeah that 's a great example that is a great example
0: well that, that you 're doing exactly what I was talking about though you evolved like you developed. Your game continue to adapt to the new style of play and continue to dominate. So you're not only you know playing basketball; you're competing at a very high level still. So I want to know, Ryan, what do you what do you intend on doing moving forward? Are you going to continue to try to pr- play professionally, and uh, do you see yourself playing with the same organization in the ABL next year? What, what's the plan?
1: Uh, I uh, I don't know. I think this, I think I might go back to the same team this year, but I haven't signed anything, so that's not for sure yet. And uh, some other teams in the ABL have reached out to me, but. You know, I, I I just want to keep keep progressing, you know. At this point, I want to make as much money as I possibly can while the ball is still bouncing. Because I know at the end of the day, you know, i got to hang up the sneakers sometimes, sometimes. And, you know, just preparing, making as much money and being able to prepare for that next step in in my life.
0: For sure, man. And I'm, I'm a huge proponent of anybody who wants to continue playing while they still can. And you're one of those people who's still competing at a very high level. And I commend you for that. I think it's awesome. So, you know, it's inevitable. Everybody has to hang them up at some point. So if you have the ability and the desire to continue playing, I think you should keep doing it. So we're going to be rooting for you, Ryan. Thank you so, so much for, for sharing that story and, and joining us here on the show today. Was there anything else that we left out of the story?
1: oh no that's it man thank you for having me i really appreciate it i enjoyed it
0: absolutely and we appreciate you ryan thank you so much and for all the listeners out there you know the drill make sure you subscribe to the show and uh we'll talk to you next week guys thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show now if you could go and do me a favor head over to itunes give me five stars and leave me a review it would be greatly appreciated thanks guys appreciate your support